I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am loving. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club. Once again, I am joined by good friend of the show and the film enthusiast, Callum Hyde. Callum Hyde, hello and welcome. Hello again. That was a good radio voice I did then. It was good, like Heart FM. Hello and welcome, Callum. How are you doing? <laughs> Might have to adopt that one for all episodes. Anyway, yeah. I'll be getting definitely. a call of Heart or Capital soon. But here we are. Another episode. Um, last episode, we talked about the film The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. You know, quite intense. We've got a bit of historical and societal and nation based discussion on that one. Got quite deep, but I thought we'd mix it up and take it away from the fiction this time and go on to a documentary. So, documentary, Callum's going to talk you through this in a minute, but um, just to let you know, it's called Fire. It's exclusive to Netflix, and we dived into it over the last week. Callum. What was it about? Well, Fire. It was about a festival. It was the brainchild of a guy called Billy McFarland. It was supposed to be happening in 2017. Um, Set in the Bahamas. Um, It was supposed to be this perfect festival where celebrities would be there, models would be there, the latest music would be there. People could have a luxury living, live on, like, stay in yachts, big boats. People paid thousands for this festival, but it never actually happened. One of the biggest festivals, well, marketed as one of the biggest, most modern festivals, and it never actually happened. It explored the story of the festival and its demise. It talked about how the organisers of the story, um, examined themes of social media, celebrity and image culture. Um, talked about Billy McFarlane's eventual lawsuit with the FBI and talked about people's attitudes towards him. So a lot, a lot a of lot. drama. There was a lot was, covered. There was a lot in yeah. this one and a half hour documentary. Thanks for the overview, Callum. That was, I, thought, I thought it was quite succinct. Actually, I was literally going to yeah. use the word succinct. Then that was very good. You know, you should get into this industry. People send you documentaries. You watch them, then you do the audio trailer for it. Fifty word. Audio there you go. Trailer. If you want to hire him, words. Callum's hmm. one thousand pound an hour. Indeed. Um, I'll take the handling fee of uh, 55% and um, we'll <laughs> get those rolling for you. So any young documentary makers out there who want a little uh, audio trailer done, just get in touch. We'll set an email address up and uh, we'll get those sorted for you. Okay, let's crack on. So like last week, we um, let you know that we're changing the format slightly on the Glass A Film Club podcast here as in previous episodes they've gone on a long time and a little bit of a secret for all the big fans out there. There was actually another episode recorded but it hit 90 minutes and we thought, can we put the listeners through a podcast that's as long as the film itself? And the conclusion was no, no, we bloody can't. So now, <laughs> what we're doing, um, 30 minutes on the clock. We're going to rattle through what we think of the uh, documentary, what it was talking about, delve into the issues that explored, and at the end we'll sum it up and give our rating out of 10 and whether we'd recommend and who we think would enjoy it. So, without further ado, I've got my phone, my Apple iPhone, not sponsored, but if anyone wants to get in touch, please let us know, and I'm going to put 30 minutes on the clock and we'll dive straight in. Let's go. So, Callum, fire documentary 
So it covered a lot of issues, like you said there, Billy McFarland, owner of Fire Media, set up this festival, wanted it to be the biggest event, I think he said in a decade, yeah. all these influences there, wanted all these attractive people to come, rich young people, the biggest musicians, but it went down the pan. So it dived into a lot of subjects. I think the big ones that stood out were the kind of Instagram slash modern lifestyle. It also dived into this guy's being a dodgy businessman and um, also covered this kind of like um, the workings and him as a kind of a bit of a dictatorial uh, CEO in a way. But straight away, I want to know what was the kind of your first instinct of this documentary and the kind of world it was exploring with the Instagram models and um, that lifestyle? The first the first thing I thought about when I watched it, I was about 10, 15 minutes in, and I thought, I'm not going to get through this because it's already I'm annoyed at the exclusivity of, of what, he's, what he's selling, the model culture, the celebrity culture, the image culture. It was just... It was just a bit too much for me. However, I stuck with it, and as I watched more of it and the story unfold, I actually was on the edge of my seat wondering, I know this festival's going to fail, but how is it going to fail? And is it actually, is he at, what's actually going to happen to this guy? I was hooked by about tw- after 20 minutes, after I'd let the hatred of him seethe, over, seethe in me, I was ready to actually, oh, you know what? I'm going to give them, I'm going to give these people a go. And it was actually quite funny, really, in some Yeah, in well, parts. it was, you like, know, I think there were maybe more laughable kind of uh, than anything for me because it yeah. starts off like, I think the documentary does kind of throw about in a lot of different directions because um, at the beginning, you're kind of thrown straight into like the first 20, 30 minutes is like the idea of this festival. So this guy, Billy McFarland, he's bigged up as this, you know, big entrepreneur. He's mm. in his mid-twenties, but he started a company beforehand. Um, which record I've got written down here, uh, Magnesis, which yeah. did unbelievably. Um, the basic premise was it was a credit card for based millennials, the, yeah, based and it was like York, this black card. So yeah. basically, you used it, but you got like exclusive access to all these hip happening restaurants and bars, and they had a clubhouse and all that. So basically, you built this up, grown the membership base. Um, really widely, and off the back of that, he started Fire Media, which was going to be an app, which um, was a way of booking basically like high profile uh, performers and artists for um, gigs, for parties and stuff like that without going through the what it describes like the shady booking system. So at the beginning, it's almost a kind of, I got like it was a business story. It's like this kind of American dream. Like this guy, he was being bigged up by the people who were being interviewed going like, oh yeah, he was a really good business, businessman. He could convince anyone to do anything and had this great idea of this app, which was going to go huge yeah definitely i mean his entire the identity of him was built on this idea of exclusivity his entire brand image was built on the idea of well i'm a guy that can have give you access to this exclusive lifestyle lifestyle this celebrity lifestyle it was he was saying it was all right it's about having giving millennials an opportunity to be a part of something um but at the same time the culture that he wanted them to be a part of was for rich people, really. It was for very, very privileged people, which yeah. instantly got me thinking, well, it, that, that, that image culture, was inc- it, it is something that permeates all aspects of our society, isn't it? This idea of forging this perfect lifestyle. And I, I liked the fact that um, the documentary gave viewers the opportunity to actually question that and critique that 
which I thought was quite interesting. Well, yeah, so for me, the kind of first bit of it, like you're saying, yeah, it gave you the opportunity later on to critique that. But at, at the start of it, I kind of just felt as if it was like, selling showing you this other world it wasn't necessarily saying judge this in the way of was this right this was this wrong it was like just a dive into okay this is how these influencers and big as they kept saying media moguls live yeah. so you've got um billy mcfarlane let's introduce ja rule who is his business ja partner rule, yeah i believe he's a rapper or th- yeah, some kind I th- of i think musician so. in yeah. that area but wanted to be this big music mogul so was getting in on the act um for this fire festival and fire media um but for me the beginning was it was showing off this idea that they had not necessarily saying oh it was ridiculous in terms of um, what they were going after and the way they were doing it. It was just like saying, look at this grand lifestyle which has come off the back of Instagram and kind of this millennial way of living which was started with this credit card and exclusive club is now this is manifesting itself. So I think the initial judgment was like, is this the way people live now? I'm looking at it going like, okay, this is the absolute epitome of um kind of like a modern aspirational lifestyle it's something which is can be seen as amazing on the internet but it's people who are beautiful to look at but also have these ridiculous dreams of making ridiculous things happen but just by the power of the internet so it's the same kind of things that you've got all through history hollywood stars and all that but it's all framed through Instagram. I think this was the focus. I think that's the yeah. first, for me, it was like the first touch point. But as it goes on, it, it gets more of a kind of, I think of a moral discussion. Yeah, definitely. Of, it's like, all right, here's the lifestyle. Agree with her. It's a good thing or not that people want to live this way. But then it gets deeper into that because then it shows the kind of like dirty underbelly of it. What kind of things stood out to you of make you think, all right, this is a bit shady. Because at times I sort of feel like, uncomfortable yeah i mean it wasn't i mean the whole premise was built on trying to obtain this seemingly unobtainable lifestyle for the majority of people as seen through instagram and once you got past that sort of image consciousness of it all it became a question of well actually this guy is just lying to people yeah he's openly lying to people and he was actually quite manipulative with the way he spoke to people with how he interacted not only with his apparent customers but also his work colleagues and I, he could twist he, he could he was like he was well the way he spoke it was like he was trying to plat sawdust in some ways <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It, you know people but this were was the thing so where people kept saying like it. oh yeah he could convince people to do anything and exactly. he was a great business person so that didn't sit that well with me at the beginning because people were saying oh yeah he is a bit dodgy convince people to do everything but he's a great businessman so straight away it's like all right it was this almost... is saying all right the society that we're kind of showing here is linking these dodgy people to successful and this isn't and and doing the right thing like rewarding that and this is an issue i always have with these kind of big entrepreneurs who are ridiculously successful and get you know plaudits for it it's like when you actually dig into the type of person they are people are saying you know they're very manipulative and not Mm. actually that nice a person but they're a great businessman so therefore they're a great person i think that's interesting though because billy mcfarlane just became an extension of the falsity, the false, falsity. Let me words out. Let me say anything. Falsity of the festival itself, isn't didn't he? Yeah, his all his all image was built on on a lie. Yeah, and I liked the fact that 
there was that downfall because it was kind of showing to me, all right, there's a certain extent to this kind of smarminess and this, yeah. you know, dodgy dealings. But it was showing that when he pushed it too far, then it all came crumbling down. His empire was built on lies. And we find out at the beginning that, sorry, at the end, that he was defrauding um, investors left, right and centre yeah. by making up figures for the company, saying they were earning this, they were booking these acts. And even right to his beginning, early days, um, he was getting people to invest on false promises. Hence why he's now in prison. Well, he got sentenced, but I don't know whether he's in, out, whatever, but he got mm. a six-year six prison back. sentence, didn't he? was he? indicted by the FBI. Um, so that happened. Anyway, but I think the story of this is quite a nice... Allegory. Is that the right word for that? Allegory. Allegor, allegory. Allegory. Anyway, we'll use that. We'll, we'll run with it. Google it yourself and see if it works in this context. But it kind of showed, okay, success is rewarded in this like capitalist setting where if you treat people in the way he did and manipulate people, you'll get so far and be successful. But yeah. he went too far and he met his downfall in the end and for me it was actually a nice message in the end to show oh this guy didn't then run a successful festival and then became the next biggest thing in the world because that could easily have gone the festival went well be like what a genius this guy was he did something amazing and we wouldn't have realised how dodgy a guy he was and all that because um, what, what if he pulled it off and then he paid those investors back and the fact that he lied to him at the beginning were like oh you know he was just you know doing what he had to do but the fact that he actually got his comeuppance at the end for me was like you can watch that and think alright he's not an aspirational figure and all these people who set up these tech startups and do ridiculous things to make it aren't necessarily that aspirational because bad things like that do happen well if he'd succeeded I honestly well we can't say but if he had succeeded I doubt whether people would have focused on you know his lies and his deceit and his manipulation I mean in the documentary it compares the fire festival to a Woodstock festival doesn't it yeah it says like well Woodstock had very little sewage provision no running water it was full of the generation in inverted commas coming together for a big event except the, the moral behind Woodstock was much more liberal than the moral behind Fire Festival in some ways, particularly in terms of the audience it wanted to create. However, it does compare. It's the same principle, isn't it? Yeah. You know, bringing bringing together a lot of people who want to buy into something, whether that be um, a political belief or a social belief or whatever. It's the fundamental goal of Fire Festival was to bring people together. Um, admittedly, it was a certain type of people, white successful people working in business a lot of the time um which i found another, another element of the documentary which i found quite interesting well we'll tap into that well, very shortly yeah don't worry we've got that lined up for the next topic <laughs> but no i know what you mean in the way that the intentions seemed quite not honorable but you know in the right way oh, we're bringing people together to celebrate this lifestyle and he's like i want to give people a taste of this but by seeing the mm. kind of underbelly of it you realize that yeah like woodstock they got away with, like you said, it showed in the documentary, you know, it was a horrific, you know, sanitation. People didn't get food yeah. and stuff. But now it's celebrated this, you know, absolute hippie dream of peace and love. And make sure as well, a lot of things that do go in the world, which get a kind of image as great, are probably, you know, put together by these lies and things that didn't necessarily happen. And it's all about image and stuff like that, which will take us into the uh, social media and Instagram life. But just before we get on to that, 
I feel like, I mean, judge what you want on that. I mean, my instincts is that, you know, it makes me feel a bit wrong and dirty in the fact, you know, in that you're getting these things salty, even though there's probably a lot of dodgy things going on. We probably know that all along anyway. But yeah. this points to it and says, all right, don't necessarily buy into or believe all these dreams that are created by you. Because if you look what happens underneath, this is it. And it makes you feel a bit, all right, what is real? <laughs> wow. That's an extremely <laughs> anyway, deep you, question. Callum, what were you going to say, sir? Um, I don't know actually. What was I going to say? Oh, that was it. The um, the publicity of it is what I what was what drew what, what I found quite interesting. Yeah, let's dive into that now and the kind of social media. So um, basically, the way I mean, the way it was um, publicized was essentially it was a group of some of the world's most famous female models dancing around on a beach. That was yeah. how it started, yeah. wasn't it? It was. Like they said it was like some of the ten most successful. Some, something we had, like um, that. Bella Hadid. Emily Ratajkowski. I don't know. I don't know any of these. See, people. a lot of them are like Victoria's <laughs> Secret models as well. So oh, really? like some of the most right, famous okay. in the world. Right. Um, but anyway, it started off with those. Don't ask me why I know all the. <laughs> no, well, I wasn't going to. It's like it's fine. <laughs> um, but it started with those models posting just a picture of a, an orange tile. Yeah. Didn't it on their on yeah, their yeah. Instagram page? And because they have millions and millions of followers, and they did hashtag Fire Festival, people were like, "Oh my God, what's Fire Festival? What's Fire Festival? What's Fire Festival?" And then it suddenly got traction. Yeah, and they sold 95% of the tickets straight away. But Just off the his, back of those people. And like, for those who haven't seen it, they were promising things like, oh, you get a private villa on the beach if you pay X amount, or go to this yeah, private yacht could, party. And yeah. they had no... Um, plans or contingency to make this happen. They just kind of promised it, sold it. And then when it came to the logistics, it was like, oh, we can't actually do this. And they actually mm. then ended up not having it on the private island they thought they were going to and just sectioning off a bit of this... Uh, island nearby in the Bahamas. Yeah. So it was at the beginning. You can just look at it and say, "Oh, it's just people who got too cocky and overconfident." But that's the point. It's like that is deception. It is fraud by saying, "Oh, I'm I'm bigger than everyone. I can make this happen," and then realize it. Oh no, you know we've messed a lot of people around. And well, and it wasn't just the the um, the people who were coming that you know they fucked over. It was the uh, the workers and stuff in the Bahamas. Yeah. And that's the big one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he basically all the people in the Bahamas, he pretty much got the entire island's population to build all this stuff for him, never paid them. Yeah. And, but was still... That's the worst but, bit for yeah, me. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Breaking the community up, like, had everyone on the island, like, who exactly. could work for him working. And then he never paid them Nothing. at all. It was just, it was unbelievable, really. Although I also, at the same time, thought it was quite typical. You know, you could kind of see that happening because you were introduced to the, the island's population about an hour or something, 45 minutes to an hour into the documentary you already knew he was deceiving people anyway so you thought well yeah, he's never going to pay no them chance. anyway they've yeah. got absolutely no chance the particularly being native people the native Bahaman is it Bahaman? yeah we'll go with we'll that Bahaman people right, you know it? let's just jump back to what you were saying about social media though yeah well and I mean so you said it was these uh, Instagram uh, famous models who yeah, were sharing yeah. with their fans and that got the traction but what do you think like for you what does that give you about this kind of instagram and social media lifestyle that people were so keen off the back of this one advert that was put together showing all these mm. models who had a massive instagram following on this amazing beach you know in the sea and these speedboats partying all that and off the back of that being sold through social media people were constructing an image without anything really being said what was going on it was just this image that was put through social media that made people think this is this is I what think, i want i think it says a lot about is it more is it more a critique of 
society we live in now they're necessarily them creating that image i think you know we're bombarded every day with images you know we're a society of images and in one way um we live in one of the most technologically advanced you know worlds ever we have everything we could possibly want to know at the touch of a phone that's in your pocket so in many ways people's worlds are incredibly huge they're digital worlds anyway you can scroll through instagram and be connected to these millions of people around the world people you've never even met before and you're bombarded with loads of these different types of images and subconsciously you begin to sort of create um, an idea of what you think your life is through these images on your mobile phone so in many ways your your world is very big and fruitful but then at the same time it's incredibly narrow and small because the majority of people never have access to those images on instagram well those lifestyles sorry you know the majority of people are you know working doing you know have families etc but yet they're bombarded with this unobtainable view of the world so their world is huge but at the same time it's incredibly narrow because they'll never have access to that so when you get a guy that comes along and says you're gonna have the best fucking experience of your existence your ex- you, your current life is boring when you come to fire festival you'll be inundated with models with sun yeah. sea and booze. i think that's you know what i mean the, the key there and i think you've summarized it really well there and for me instagram and social media is just the modern development of advertising it's the same tricks and techniques that have been used for a hundred years but the difference is now one is you're constantly have access to it it's not just an advert in the newspaper or a billboard it's constantly there but two what fire festival actually showed was in the past you just try and attain that lifestyle through a product you've been given mm-hmm. now it's saying this is a creation of the actual lifestyle this I said, which everyone knows isn't real. You know, it's a manufactured one of images, of models, of images of people living their life. But we're now saying, no, that is going to be real. And I think that's the most dangerous thing about it is getting to the point where we can now actually convince people that there is a construction of this. You know, Mm. there's always, I think there's a limit in people's minds, even though people know it's advertising, they still want to get that product and, you know, still feel a little bit of attainment from it. But now we're able to convince people that, you know what, this is real. Don't live any illusion. You can live this lifestyle. At the end, when they said, in Russia, there's that company where you can go on an aeroplane and pose like you're in a VIP jet. I forgot about that, but you don't actually take off, do you? Things are going beyond just the idea of, okay, we kind of know that we're being shafted here, but we're happy to be shafted. But like taking the limits off and a social media native generation is like, no, this is real. And I th- feel the kind of the marketing techniques of fire really showed that a lot of people in a generation can fully buy into this. Yeah, definitely. And as deep as, as, as you know, we can sort of analyze the, you know, the arguments about the, the digital self and all this sort of stuff. But I think one thing that Instagram does do is that it's a plateau really. And it, that plateau is constantly changing, isn't it? The level of where it's set, the sort of the idea of, you know, what is trending. You know, the the, the whole idea of trending is 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 interesting, really. Life's it's a tra- there's you can never really fix um, 
what you want, essentially, really. I'm talking crap here. Yeah, I know what I mean. It's a constant, you know I mean? a trend like, is something that's instant, but it's gone for the next one. So, yeah, yeah but it goes yeah. so much quicker now with social media. A trend, definitely, yeah. A that. trend in the past is an actual trend, like a fashion trend, but now a trend is a moment in, you know, a digital world, which is gone that's, the next day. That's, that's what I want to say. And you can never keep yeah. up. Right, I think that was a really good covering of social media. We've got 10 minutes left. Let's mm. just dive into um, what this says about maybe like the class and society. You mentioned um, off mic when we were talking about these very rich kids who mm. are throwing a lot of money at it. There's a clip in it from a might be Jimmy Fallon or it's one of those late night shows in America <laughs> where there's a comedian on yeah. and he's talking about it and he said, oh, this is Darwinism at its finest. <laughs> All these rich kids throwing thousands to go and see Blink-182 and yeah. the Bahamas and they yeah. get this, you know, they get the comeuppance. What was your, as a human, like reaction to seeing that? Well, that's 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 why I thought it was funny in some respects because you had these, ironically, these um, kids that do have a lot of money, but they don't have enough money to um, have that lifestyle that Fire Festival was promising. So when they see, or Instagram promises, sorry. So when they when Fire Festival came up and they were like. Oh my god, the lifestyle I've, you know, technologically created for myself online can suddenly become a reality. And, you know, the fake image self that I fucking spew all over Instagram on a daily basis can suddenly become a reality. So I can spew the reality even more. And then they all got their comeuppance. They lost thousands of dollars, and they were all, oh, "Oh, this is so bad. I have to, I have to sleep at piss-soaked refugees." <laughs> I know. Mean, I struggled with uh, how to feel on that because uh, one, it was like, okay, well, this guy's fraudulently messed a load of people about. But at the same but time, they probably say these people it. got what they deserve. Yeah. But like I mentioned just before, I think the real losers in all this were the people working, the locals working. Yeah. Who, 100%. We're obviously not very wealthy, and mm. this company's come in and said we can pretty much take over your island, bring loads of jobs every year for the next five years. Yeah, and it's not just the promise; it's the fact that they've made them work and not paid them. And that definitely what crippled me at the end was the woman who was in charge of the catering. Yeah, and she did it all, paid all the staff. She invested nothing, savings. She, she, she had to spend like fifty thousand dollars, was it, of her yeah. own savings? That, yeah. and she was she was like in bits. She was like, just, mm. this is why I don't talk about it. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like. It was a good kind of show of the kind of society that's been split as well in the, these kind of millennial uh, brackets. And obviously like, you've got the Instagram set up, but these people are too much money. And yet it was a little bit funny in the end just seeing all these rich kids running around not knowing what to do. Yeah. Anyway, I got some judge of that as you what you want. I got some sick pleasure out of that, <laughs> yeah, if I'm I bet you did. Yeah. Right, we've just got a few minutes now. Um, as this is a film review podcast, let's actually look at it as a documentary and what thought of it as a documentary i loved the way it was put together and i loved how number one they got some really good interviews so they managed Mm. to interview pretty much the main people in the team at fire yep it was kind of pitting their opinions against each other and they managed to get good insight without it being a documentary like louis theroux style where there's someone there going around interviewing and digging you actually managed to get these people open up quite a bit and it wasn't just them you know, throwing all the blame on the guy who did it, Billy McFarland. It was a lot of them kind of sharing their feeling of guilt and remorse mm. and basically like discovering their own emotions. And I feel a successful documentary is one way you can really get people to open up as they would do off camera and, you know, get some emotion out of someone, which 
doesn't feel forced and I feel you got that in mm, this I definitely. feel it told the story really well I kind of got the tension of the one week to go to you know the countdown to the festival like I genuinely felt kind of anxiety in my stomach like what is gonna happen here like it got that and there was a lot of kind of good insights and um, they got a hold of a lot of good footage so I feel like it was a really well put together documentary with a lot of good content in there I thought the pace of it was good as well I mean like you said the sort of um, the countdown on the website three you know 14 days to go till fire festival 13 days to go to fire festival and I thought that added a nice pace to the documentary in some ways like you had an interview with one of the organizers talking about their reservations or what they thought about Billy McFarland or what they thought about uh, the logistics of it all and then it would flick to the website and be like four days till yeah. fire festival and then the document that the pace of the documentary was good I thought I think um, it conveyed the emotion really well not just the kind of definitely. heartache and anxiety and frustration but the, the tension of the whole event and the atmosphere well yeah I mean I was I was wondering oh, I can't wait for Fire Festival to <laughs> actually come to, to actually happen because I want to see what happens to all these rich kids I want to see does it fail does it work what actually happens because it was such an elevated dream that they created yeah you were like oh what is this going to look I like mean, in reality in 2017 it, was, it must have been all over the news but I never read about it when you you know when when we said oh let's watch fight what thing on Netflix called Fire I'd never heard of it, and I think it, that helped the pace of the documentary. I think yeah. helped the tension that it created because I think if I'd had some previous knowledge about what Fire Festival was, um, I would have been like oh well, I already know what happens. Yeah, well I read a little bit about it and when I saw the trailer it kind of rung a bell a little bit, but it wasn't that well kind of shared. So this almost acted as a bit of a expose which is a great format anyway we've got four minutes to go i'm just going to share two views i really want to share about the film first a little nerdy one in the way the interviews were shot um (laughs) not normally a big fan of the interviews when the subject's looking right down the barrel of the camera and in the center but for this it kind of worked as it gave that like really tension of like quite focused and like you were looking into that person's eye and you're feeling that emotion they were sharing because normally it's quite hard to get um, a really emotive interview and someone's just right in the middle of the camera like that but it worked because they did somehow you know a great production but also it looked into their eye and got that and secondly one shot which I loved which summarised the whole documentary but the whole um, kind of personality of Billy McFarland was right near the end they have the uh, guy who was local to the Bahamas who had been working them all, working with them all the way through the project, he's quite prominent in the uh, documentary, and he gets a call on camera from Billy McFarland. He does, and yeah. it's not as if like he's distanced himself from it because he's been talking about how much of a shit show it was and saying all these people haven't got paid but then he answers his phones dead friendly with him and he's laughing and for me that kind of undercuts this guy's personality because you warm to him you're like you know what he was a bit of a dick as well and also it just shows when it links in with saying that Billy McFarlane started running a scam straight away afterwards, he started trying to scam people out of money for gig tickets to show that it was just a weird, twisted plot all along. There's, even when people learnt the lesson at the end, no, they didn't actually learn the lesson. The people who worked for it and were part of it might have, but the people right at the top were still as twisted as we were at the end. So I feel that was a great end to it. Anyway, Callum, give me your summary. We've got two and a half minutes and then we'll rate it go I do agree with your opinion about the camera um, people looking straight down the barrel of the camera yeah. because I think the whole premise of Fire Festival was that it was a lie and I think yes. by looking straight at the camera it sort of reconciles that with pure honesty I think 
it's that it's the complete antithesis as to what fire festival was about and it highlights the the lies and the deceit that what the that fire festival was built on so by looking straight at the camera you think oh this is this, this is honest you know the the testimonies are honest and i thought that was a nice juxtaposition the deceit of fire festival running alongside the honesty of the camera yeah i think was quite good is a um, good point i agree with the um the twisted element of the rich you know he's released thirty thousand dollars on bail and then he ends up trying to sell vip packages to the met gala yeah, uh, yeah that was ridiculous I, I fucking, when i found that out because yeah. i didn't realize this extra fraud element but then that oh gets yeah and then he and he fucking like organizing a meet and greet with taylor swift and you can fucking go to the baftas or whatever all these like bizarre things um and you just think Actually, it was never about the people, the people in inverted commas coming together. He just wanted to make a fuckload of money so he could keep living in a penthouse in Manhattan and drive a Bugatti. Anyway, just over a minute. Yeah. Out of ten. Uh, Documentary-wise, yes. seven and a half. Yeah. Uh, morally speaking, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the we're contents. Reading, we're reading morals now. Uh, uh, one out of ten. <laughs> and that's being generous. Thank you, Callum. Right. Um, I'm going to give it nine out of ten. I thought it was a fantastic documentary. I love documentaries and I will bang on about that even more so in future episodes, but I thought this was fantastic. It covered a lot of good um, areas. They got some great content in there, fantastic interviews, and it was just a great watch, even if you weren't interested in the wider topics of it. It was just very interesting. So for me, 9 out of 10. I think anyone would enjoy it, but if you are intrigued by all these kind of deception and underbelly of the uh, upper-class system thing, you will love this. 9 out of 10, fantastic. Get it watched. And that is all we just about hit 30 minutes now so amazing there we're getting we go. quite good at this now wrapping these uh, uh discussions up but thank you callum there's no well, absolute pleasure um i you all i owe you always i always enjoy it when i'm with you oh that was getting nice and sentimental yes, indeed, this now yeah, isn't it yeah. well you'll be back soon we'll I get will. some more films watched but if you want to watch fire it's on netflix it's only on a few weeks so get yeah. that watch share your views on it and have a good rant to yourself and your friends about what you think about it thanks for listening to the glass a film club thanks for joining me again callum no worries and we will be back again very soon goodbye <laughs>